God's word that we'll give our attention to today comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, reading verses in chapters 4 and 5. Paul writes, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of our Lord. So Paul makes the statement in these verses, follow God's example. Very literally, he says, be imitators of God himself. Children often like to do this, and sometimes adults too. To imitate others, though we rarely succeed at it. I mean, you can buy the same shoes and jersey as Giannis Antetokounmpo, but good luck imitating his ability to cut through defenders and get to the hoop for a dunk. Probably not going to happen. You can buy the same sweaters and get the same hairstyle, well, some of you, as Taylor Swift. But good luck imitating her ability to gather 50,000 people on a single day who are willing to pay $200 or more in order to hear you sing. Be imitators of God? Is that even possible? I mean, in many respects, the answer is no. We certainly cannot imitate His almighty power or His complete knowing of things. We can't imitate His ability to be present everywhere all of the time. It's true, the Bible says, be holy as God is holy. It says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And even though the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians tells us that we ought to aim for perfection, we know that we can't and won't ever achieve that. The sin with which we were born and the sins that we commit daily, they stand in the way. But when it comes to this matter of forgiveness, this is a place where we really can imitate God. Not because we have the inherent authority to forgive sin, but rather because God has entrusted that authority to us. Not because we have the means to make payment for even a single sin. But rather because Jesus has made that payment for us and for all. Not because we have the sort of love that such forgiveness requires. But rather because Jesus' love is now at work in our hearts and lives. Because of the forgiveness that Jesus won at the cross, in the empty tomb. We are now 
not only able, but also willing and in fact called to extend that same sort of forgiveness to one another. In this respect, we truly can be imitators of God. And that's part of his vision for the church. That we be people who are ready to forgive just as he has forgiven us. In these verses, as the Apostle Paul shares God's call for us to imitate him in forgiveness, he sets it against the backdrop of how we are so often tempted to respond when others do wrong against us. When we have been hurt by others, offended by others, it usually doesn't take too long before unwholesome talk is coming out of our mouths. When we've been wronged or attacked, we're quick to want to respond with words that are going to tear others apart or tear them down, rather than with words that are going to build them up or make them whole. This sort of spirit that's quick to retaliate when others have wronged us, Paul says, grieves the Holy Spirit who was given to us when God brought us to faith in Jesus. See, through the Gospel, the Holy Spirit comes to establish peace in our hearts. He comes to assure us of our forgiveness from God and of our reconciliation with God. As God's people, the Spirit stays with us then to guide us and empower us in order that we might share these same blessings with those around us. But when the Spirit who has delivered such great and gracious blessings to us sees that we in turn refuse to share those same blessings with others, how is he going to feel? Paul says it grieves him. And you know the fact is, when we have been wronged by others, besides the unwholesome talk that tends to come from our mouths, there's usually a whole slew of other evils as well. Paul mentions bitterness. When others have wronged us, maybe we just decide to kind of hold a grudge against them. We decide that from now on we're just going to kind of be cold and distant towards them, thinking that they're not really worth trying to reconcile with after all. Or maybe our anger when others have wronged us tends to manifest itself in more open ways. Things like rage, brawling, and slander. When people do wrong against us, it's easy for us to lose our temper. It's easy to give way to violent words and actions. It's easy to start trying to tear them down and destroy their reputation as a way of retribution. Whatever form of malice our anger might take towards those who have wronged us. Even if the world around us and our own hearts tell us it's justified based on what they've done. Paul says, no. Get rid of it. Throw it away. In its place, be kind and compassionate. Forgiving one another just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. So if we're going to imitate God when it comes to forgiveness, then that means we can't look at the example we see in the world around us. 
We can't listen to the voice we often hear in our own hearts. Instead, we have to look at how God forgives. We have to listen to the way that God responds when people have wronged Him with their sin. The prophet Isaiah says that Jesus was oppressed and afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth. So much for unwholesome talk or slander. When Jesus was arrested, put on trial, and ultimately put to death, He didn't threaten or retaliate. He simply laid down his life for both his friends and enemies alike. So much for rage or brawling. And he did all that. He endured all that for every single sin, past, present, and future. He did it for every single sinner, past, present, and future. He did it for those who would express sorrow over their sins and repent. And He did it for those who would not. He did it for those who would thank Him for His mercy and grace. And He did it for those who never would. The Apostle John says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The forgiveness that Jesus won for us and declares to us so perfect and so complete in every single way. Just go back for a minute to the examples that I used with the children. The pictures that God provides to us in His Word. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed our sins from us. Though your sins are like scarlet, God says, that they stain you completely. They shall be as white as snow. The prophet Micah, who said, God, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities in the depths of the sea, never to be seen again. And it's God Himself who promises, I will remember their sins no more. When we commit ourselves to imitating God in this matter of forgiveness, these are the pictures that we want to have front and center in our hearts and minds. And we have to understand that these pictures in God's Word are not just hypotheticals. They're certainly not exaggerations. They're not things that just apply to other people. No, these pictures that we looked at, they are your reality and they are my reality. When we think about forgiving others, we have to stop and first think about the way God has forgiven each one of us. That's really what that one servant in Jesus' parable mysteriously missed, isn't it? The tremendous debt that his king had already erased from his account. But we don't want to miss that either. We know the debt that we owed God is staggering. Think of all of the things during the course of your life for which you have had to seek forgiveness from other people. God has forgiven you for all of that. But now think of all those things from which you never sought forgiveness from other people. Because there are things that only you 
and God alone knew about. Every sinful desire, every evil thought that has darkened our minds and poisoned our hearts, every selfish motive that stood behind the things that we've done throughout the course of our lives. Add to that the many sins that are basically hidden from us. Things that we do that are contrary to God's word and will, and we don't even realize it. Or maybe those sins that we've grown so accustomed to, so comfortable with in our lives that we don't even notice them anymore. Don't even bother to ask God's forgiveness. It's no wonder that King David once asked, who can discern his errors? And then prayed, forgive my hidden faults also. And these too, God has freely and fully forgiven through Christ, who loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's this picture of Jesus on the cross that has to be absolutely front and center in our hearts and minds when we think about imitating God when it comes to forgiveness. Here we see the innocent one die so that the guilty can live. Here we see God lay His heart of love bare for us and for all the world as He forsakes the Son that He loved from eternity so that we might never be forsaken by Him. Here we see the receipt marked paid in full, finished with Jesus' blood so that we know that not one single thing needs to be added yet in order to secure our place in heaven. Three days later, God demonstrated that He accepted the payment that Jesus made on behalf of us and all by raising Him from the dead. At Jesus' cross, more than anywhere else, do we learn what it means when God calls us His dearly loved children. God's love for us demonstrated there that changes our hearts and fills us with this willingness to share that same kind of love with those around us. Paul says, as dearly loved children, follow God's example. Be imitators of Him. Christ's love for us at the cross is what gives us the willingness to be a church that forgives as God forgives. Christ's sacrifice at the cross gives us the currency that we need to actually offer that forgiveness to one another. Because of what God has done for us in Jesus, we have something to share with this world that the world could never imagine or expect. The story of Joseph that we heard a little bit earlier is just a beautiful example of that. After their father died, the brothers were concerned. If Joseph now would give them that retaliation, that revenge that their own hearts told them that they deserved. They were scared. They even tried to compel Joseph to forgive them by passing along these instructions that had supposedly come from their father before he died. And in response, Joseph asked just a simple question. 
He said, am I in the place of God? Can I really do something that would overrule what God himself has already done? See, through faith in that promised Savior, the sins of Joseph's brothers and the sins of Joseph himself had already been forgiven. And so Joseph understood that when it came to the wrongs that his brothers had inflicted on him, he really only had one option before him. Follow God's example. To forgive. And thanks to everything that God had done for Joseph, that's also what Joseph wanted to do. And so he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Who would have expected it? As dearly loved children, God says, this is just how I want you to treat your brothers and sisters when they sin against you. And so instead of anger and rage, Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another. He says, instead of slander and every form of malice, walk in the way of love with one another. And we do this. Not just so that their relationship with us might be restored. But most of all, we do it so that we can assure them that their relationship with God has been restored. You know the concept of paying it forward. Well, when it comes to imitating God in regards to our forgiveness, that's really what it's all about. There is no way that we could ever repay God for the tremendous debt of sin that He has freely forgiven us. There's never going to be an occasion when we can get God back even just a little bit with the things that we do. Instead, it's God's vision for the church that we take this tremendous gift of forgiveness and we pay it forward. That we show that same sort of love to those around us. That we not be the kind of servants that put our hands around the neck of that person who has sinned against us in order to try and make things even again. But rather to be the servant who puts our arms around that person and then walks with them to the cross where together we can marvel at Jesus' forgiveness for us and for all. That's God's vision for the church. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.